So um, if you're joining us as a visitor, I'm aware we've got a number of visitors in the room this morning, obviously for the baptisms. We've been going through a short little series looking at the ways of Jesus and practicing the way of Jesus, not so that we get brownie points, but as we follow Jesus, we actually discover what we are made for uh, because he knows these things. He is the creator of the world and he knows that when we follow in his example, it actually leads us into freedom and into, the, into life to the full. And every day becomes a gift as we follow his way. If we follow our own way, we discover that things go wrong and the wheels come off and we make mistakes and life hurts. But when we follow in the way of Jesus, he leads us into wholeness and he leads us into joy and he leads us into the kind of testimonies that you've heard this morning already. So that's why we're doing this little bit. But today, I want to focus on the fact that the hospitality of heaven looks like something. And it looks like celebration. Yes. There it is. And the music has started. So, yeah, come on. Let's get up on our feet. Let's come on, people. Let's, let's enjoy the celebration. Oh, there's a few willing souls. All right, and the woohoo. Let's see. How they, we'll have a competition. Let's see if the left... Do better than the right, and a woohoo! Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Right, guys, you got a got a challenge to beat that one. Are we ready? Woo-hoo! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We got it going. Got it all going on right here. Okay, let's take a seat. Well, well, there were a few willing volunteers for that, and there were quite a number who were like, "Not, a, not a chance." Not a chance. Dancing? Dancing? I don't know. That's not my thing. I guarantee it's not my thing. I'll tell you, tell you a little story. Actually, when I first met Nicola in Southampton, this is going back way many, many years ago, I said, hey, shall we go to the club? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and you know what? She said, oh, I don't think it's open. I think it's closed tonight. Because she didn't want to dance with me the way I dance. Yeah, dancing is not a gift that I carry. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep that one, keep that one out of the way. But celebration is in the heart of God towards his children. And that is kind of what we want to get our heads around a little bit this morning. Today has already been about the celebration of what he's done in the lives of Natasha and Bradley and what he has done in so many of our lives. We sang that song, what he's done, what he's done. This is, our God is a God who celebrates his children with absolute abandon. He is not a God who looks at us and kind of goes, "Ah, well, you'll have to do. Yeah, he, he looks at his children with sheer delight. And I want for us all today to just somehow get hold of a little bit of the heart of the Father, which is towards his children, which is wholehearted delight and celebration. He adores you. Whether you adore him or not, the Father in heaven adores you and is inviting you into the life of celebration with him. You would be forgiven for thinking that Christianity is a little bit dull. Because let's face it, what the world sees when they see the Christian religion is often a little bit dull. I trust that what you've seen this morning isn't that dull. It's been absolutely amazing. But this, what we, are, what, we, 
what we seek to do, it's not that we set out to do this, but this kind of overflows. When his people get together and we worship him and we enjoy his presence, the delight of being his children just overflows from us. And so that's what we experience as we worship him. I wonder how Jesus would do when the music comes on, you know, celebrate. What, what do you think of Jesus? When you, when you see that the person of Jesus, maybe if you're watching The Chosen on YouTube, they're, they're, getting, they're getting pretty good at actually showing Jesus as a real human being, laughing, smiling, enjoying eating and drinking with his friends. But can you imagine? Cool and the gang comes on, celebrate good times. What would Jesus be doing? You know those, those bracelets? What would Jesus do? How would Jesus dance? I think that'll be my bracelet for uh, you know, this year. I wonder how many would sell. How would Jesus dance? Would he dance as badly as me? Would he dance as well as some of you who immediately jumped to your feet and were like right in there, celebrating good times? Jesus, I reckon, would be a real good dancer, a supernaturally good dancer. He would have, like the moonwalk for Jesus would be like on a whole other level, <laughs> on a whole other level. And Jesus is not a dreary, dull character. The Bible itself tells us about him that actually he was a real fun person to be around. Um, you think of, you know, here's a couple of examples of what the Bible says about Jesus. The first one's from the book of Hebrews. It tells us that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy or the oil of gladness above any of his companions. Now, Jesus had a lot of companions. He had the 12 apostles, whole other number of disciples that followed around the edges. Then there was like crowds of people everywhere he went. And scripture tells us that he was anointed with the oil of joy way above any of his companions. He was more joyful than any of the crowd that followed him. So often we see these images of Jesus and he just looks solemn and a bit bored. A bit like, oh my goodness, are you going to follow me all day long? Like, really? But no, he loved the crowds that followed him. He loved engaging with the people who needed a touch from heaven. And he would love to be in the midst of all of this this morning. I tell you, when Cool and the Gang comes on, he'd be the first to his feet. He'd even beat you, Christine. He would even beat you. He loved to party. People said of him in the New Testament, this is from Matthew uh, chapter 11, it, people said about Jesus, look, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. He was so commonly seen at parties, eating and drinking and having a good time, that people looked at Jesus and thought, man, you are, you're, just, you're just a party animal. This is Matthew's way of saying, Jesus, you're a party animal. He loved to party. He loved to have a good time. His heart was full of joy because he knew that his father's heart towards him was full of joy. And he wants you to know that his heart is full of joy when he looks at you. When he looks at you, put your name there, put yourself there, see the eyes of the Father looking at you and understand this, he does not look at you with judgment or anger or condemnation or frustration or any kind of annoyance. He looks at you with delight, with the delight of a father. Now there are fathers, there are mothers, there are grandparents in the room today. When you hold that little bundle, you don't hold it and kind of go, ooh, not often anyway. <laughs> there, is, there are all kinds of facial expressions. You know, we pop our eyes wide open. We smile like crazy things. We make all kinds of weird noises because we are so full of delight 
in this little child. And I want us to grasp today that the heart of the Father towards us, his children, is nothing but delight. That's where the Bible says, may his face shine upon you, his countenance radiate towards you. The Father is a father who is full of love, full of delight, full of celebration. It's like he's in heaven going, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? Sorry to pick on you like that. But our heavenly father wants to draw attention to you today and say, I celebrate you. I delight in you. I love you with a passion, with a passion. And celebration is actually a pathway that connects us to the heart of God. When we let go a little bit and we enjoy worship and his presence and the one anothering of the, of the community that he's put us in, when we celebrate together through eating and drinking and feasting and enjoying and dancing, we connect our hearts to his heart and something inside of us realigns back into the way that he has made us to be. It connects us. It's a pathway to him. Is your pathway a little bit overgrown? I know mine is. I, I know as I've looked at myself and I've just, before God this week, thinking about what to say. And I, I recognize that so many times the pathway of my heart to his when it comes to celebration, that easy stepping in and enjoying his presence, it gets a bit overgrown. And we're not alone. We find ourselves in the pages of scripture we find ourselves there with um, the parable of the prodigal son. You remember that story? Many of you will have heard it before. It's really well known. Where you've got these two sons. And you've got the younger one who goes to his dad and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I'd have all your money. And then I could go away and do whatever I wanted. I could have a great party. I could go to a foreign country. I could you know, go on the beach. I could have barbecues. I could have parties with friends, make new friends. And he, the, the father lavishly gives him what he asks for. And so this younger son disappears off into a far off country, wastes all his money, blows it on wild parties, wild living. And he eventually gets to the point where he's got nothing left and he's sitting on the floor feeding pigs and eating some of it himself because he's just so hungry. And he comes to his senses and he goes, okay, I've, I've got to go back. I've got to go back to my dad and say that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry and just please make me a slave. Please make me a servant in your household. That, that would be better than where I am right now. And Luke chapter 15 tells us this story, and it tells us that the father is looking out for him. And all, you can imagine the crowd that's there, and Jesus is telling the story. And they are expecting Jesus to say that when the father was looking out and he saw the son come in the distance, out gets, the father gets his telescopic rifle out and goes, end off, that's it, you're done. But to the crowd's astonishment, the father runs, gets the robe, gets the ring, gets the shoes, throws the robe around his son, kisses him, weeps on his neck, says, you are my son, you've come back, you're alive. I want to celebrate you. I celebrate you in your stink. Hear that today. If you think, I'm not good enough. This kid was covered in pig filth. This kid probably hadn't, hadn't showered, washed for months. I don't know. God shows us the picture of the father who runs to the broken one, the one who feels they deserve it least, and he says, I love you. I want to restore you. I want to welcome you back into the family. I want to give you everything that you are missing out on. And there is nothing but celebration in his heart. But then in the story, I find myself. 
And I trust that you will probably find yourself from time to time as well. This is where the older brother comes into the story. Because the younger brother and the father and all of the household are beginning to have a wild party. Cool and the gang is playing. It's time to celebrate and have a good time. The older brother's out in the field. And he's working. Let me read it to you from Luke chapter 15. These are just a few verses from there. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what is going on? Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because, he is, because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him. Just here again, the heart of the father he comes to you in your reluctance to celebrate and enter in. And he said, please, please, come in, come in. Come in and celebrate. Come in and let me celebrate you. Come in and let me tell you how special you are, how much I want to spend time with you. The father comes out and begs him, but the son replies, all these years I've slaved for you and I've never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And so he goes on, he mumbles and grumbles and the father tries to persuade him to come back in again. And actually, he looks an awful lot like this old fella. He's dedicated, he's obedient. All these long years I've served you, all these long years I've done everything that you asked me to do. I've been your slave and you know what? I recognize myself in that story so many times because I want to be dedicated to Jesus. I want to obey Jesus. And often my heart slips into that slave mode or that servant mode where, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, life's tough. Oh, life's hard. And I've slipped out of that space of being celebrated. I've, I've lost sight of the fact that the father, this father that I have followed and walked with for many, many years now, he is delighted in me. And as Christians of, you know, however many years some of you have followed Jesus, we can so easily forget that actually his heart towards us is not one of stale boredom. Oh, you've come back again. Another week? You've come back again? Really? <sighs> he is delighted when he sees you. He wants to celebrate you. Today, tomorrow, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on every day of the week, he wants you to know that you are celebrated, loved in the very core of his heart. No matter where you have been the day before, no matter what you've done the morning before, you turn your attention towards him. His heart is to run to you, to catch you up in his arms and to celebrate you like crazy. That is who our Father is. Yet so often we go around like this guy, looking like we've been baptized in lemon juice. And it, we get the wrong end of the stick all together. And the Father today just wants to draw us back into that place. And the question that I've been kind of chewing over myself this week, which I find a little bit helpful, is this one. Am I living overshadowed by the celebration of the Father? 
Am I living, are you living overshadowed by his celebration? If you are, that will change your countenance. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you see yourself. It will change the way you treat the person next to you. It will change the way you love your wife or you you care for your uh, work colleagues or whoever it may be. If you and I live overshadowed with his delight and his celebration, it will impact our day-to-day lives in every aspect. What we think about when we think about God is so vitally important. When we think about God, do we think like that? Is our expression like that? Mm. Or are we truly like little children before a father who delights? I keep using the same words. I wish I had a thesaurus. There's, you know, it's like he is overjoyed in you consistently. Should affect our faces, I think. <laughs> Here's a little passage which I want us to have a look at from next slide, David, if you wouldn't mind. There we go. Uh, this is from the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. It speaks about the heart of our Father. He, God, the Lord, will exult over you with loud singing. Now, that word exult in its original kind of root form actually means to jump and to spin. So can you imagine the Father, the Lord himself, who speaks and galaxies are born, and he looks at you, and he's looking at you now, and he jumps, and he spins, and he sings, and he shouts, and he screams, and he goes, that's my child, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's the one I love. God, our heavenly Father, is not some boring old grumpy fella in the sky. He is passionately devoted and in love and celebrating who you are. And if we live overshadowed with that reality, then when we go out to do Love Stortford or when we go out into our workplaces or into our homes, that reality will overshadow everything that comes out of us and hit people in a way that will change and bring transformation. And that is the Father's desire. Even this baptism today, this is a declaration of the absolute determination of the Father that nothing will get in the way of His delight in you and your delight in Him. He is saying, we are declaring as we baptize people today, everything of brokenness, everything of my humanity, past, present, and future, everything is buried and gone. It's not being washed. It's not scrubbed. It's going into the grave, and it is dying. And you're coming back up, shiny, brand new, a new spiritual creation with nothing of the old self that could ever stand in the way of the Father's white-hot devotion for you. That is the intensity of his dedication to celebrate you. He paid the ultimate price. His son died on the cross to take away everything that could ever stop that celebration. So the celebration of heaven over you is eternal. Eternal. It will never stop. It will never fade. They will never grow tired. You getting the point? I feel like a broken record, but this is the the reality 
of what he has done for us and how he feels about us. It is a powerful, powerful, powerful celebration. And I want to show you the power of celebration in an individual's life. I'm going to play a little video so you get a break from my voice for about five minutes. This is a guy um, who, when I was growing up, was a really significant voice in the Christian church. And he's an American sociologist and pastor teacher called um, Tony Campolo. And at some point in his journeys, he traveled to Honolulu to speak at a convention of some sort. And he arrived there at some silly time of the night, totally jet-lagged, was wide awake at 3 a.m., and he went out to find some food, and he finds himself in a little backstreet cafe, and that's where we pick up the story. So let's um, play the video. Into the room come about eight or nine prostitutes, and they sat down on either side of me. And I tried to disappear. <laughs> and the one on my immediate right said, tomorrow's my birthday, she said to her friend. I'm going to be 39. Her friend said, so what do you want me to do? Sing happy birthday? You want a cake? What, do you, what should we do? Have a party for you? You're going to be 39. First woman said, look, I don't, I'm not expecting anything. I just, why do you have to put me down? And then she said, with a crack in her voice, I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. I don't expect to have one now. That did it. I waited till, you know, till they all left and I was the only one left. I called Harry over. I said, do they come in here every night? He said, yeah. I said, the one next to me? He said, Agnes. I said, tomorrow's her birthday. What do you say we decorate the place? And when she comes in tomorrow, we have a birthday party for her because I heard her say she's never had a birthday party in her whole life. He said, mister, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Jane, he called his wife out of the back room. She did the cooking. He wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. I thought, jeez, this is great. She comes out, she grabs my hand, she says, Mister, you wouldn't understand this because of what she does, you know? But she's one of the kind people in this town. She's one of the caring people in this town. I said, uh, look, can I, can I decorate the place? She said, to your heart's content. I said, I'm going to bring a birthday cake. Harry said, oh, no, the cake's my thing. I thought, oh, jeez, you know, don't. <laughs> so I got there the next morning. I got there the next morning at... About 2.30, I had bought crepe paper at the Kmart, strung it across the plate, place, made a big sign that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes, put it on the mirror behind the counter. I had the place spruced. Jane, who got, does the cooking, got the word out on the street so that by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was squeezed into this place. I mean, people, it was wall-to-wall -wall prostitutes and me. 3.30 in the morning, the door opens. In comes Agnes and her friends. I got everybody poised, everybody ready. The minute she walked through the door, we yell, Happy birthday, Agnes, and all start cheering like mad. I've never seen anybody so stunned in my life. Her knees buckled. They steadied her and got her and sat her down on a chair. And We started singing, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, dear Agnes. And when they brought out the cake, she lost it and started to cry. Harry just stood there with a the cake, and finally he said, All right, Agnes, knock it off. <laughs> blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. She tried, and she couldn't, so he blew out the candles and handed her the knife and said, Now cut the cake. Come on now, cut the cake. 
She sat there for a long moment, and then she said to me, is it all right if I don't cut the cake? She said, what I'd really like to do is take the cake home and show it to my mother. I said, it's your cake. She stood up. I said, do you have to do it now? She said, I live two doors down. Let me take the cake home. I'll bring it right back. I promise. She picked up the cake. She pushed through the crowd and out the door. And as the door swung slowly shut, dead silence. The whole group was stunned. I didn't know what to say. Finally, after a few uneasy moments, I said, what do you say we pray? It's weird looking back on it now. <laughs> a sociologist leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning in a diner in Honolulu was the right thing to do, and I prayed that God would deliver her from what dirty, filthy men had done to her, usually starting like it, you know, when they're about 12 or 13, and, and then they're ruined and hurt. And when I finished praying that God would make her new, that God would give her back everything that had been taken from her. I said amen and lifted my eyes, and Harry was right in my face. He said, hey, Camp Paulo, you told me you were a sociologist. You're no sociologist. You're a preacher. What kind of church you belong to? And one of those moments when you come up with just the right words, I said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. I thought that was a clever answer. <laughs> I'll never forget his response. He looked back and he said, no, you don't. No, you don't. He said, I would join a church like that. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all join a church that threw birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? I got news for you. That is the kind of church that Jesus came to create. That is the kind of church that Jesus came to create because that is the heart of the Father that is towards every one of us and every person in this town, every person on the face of the earth. The heart of the Father is to celebrate people in the middle of their brokenness. He doesn't require us to clean up our act first. He doesn't require us to reach some kind of standard that makes us presentable. He says, I want to celebrate you today. And I want you to receive my celebration of you. And I want to draw you into life together with me, which will be full and be free and be everything that you were designed for. And so for us today, I want us, my, my, my heart's desire is that every one of us in this room will receive something of a revelation. It is a spiritual revelation that the Lord himself celebrates you. Tell you what, do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet for just a second? I want us to engage our hearts and minds with the Lord and I want to ask Holy Spirit that right now in this moment, 
all across this room that you will bring, Holy Spirit, will you bring revelation to every heart of the delight and the celebration of the Father. No matter what brokenness we carry, no matter how disappointed with ourselves or our situations, Holy Spirit, will you bring revelation of the delight of the Father? Come right now, Holy Spirit. The Father wants you to know that he celebrates you and he extends his hand to you and he says to you, come on, take my hand, believe again. Do not believe that you are less than I have created you to be. Do not believe that there is no hope. Do not believe that you have to fight for yourself every second of every day for the rest of your life. I fight for you. I rejoice for you. I believe in you. Holy Spirit, bring revelation in this moment of the celebration of heaven over everyone in here. And enable us, Lord God, to carry that heart of celebration into this world. To see people differently. Not to see people in their brokenness, but to see people as they carry the image of God. To look past the brokenness and see the hurt to look past the hurt and see the child who you love. And in that moment, Heavenly Father, I pray you'll give us everything we need. Give us the forgiveness. Give us the strength. Give us the resolve. Give us the conviction to press in so as that person receives your celebration just as we have received. Spirit of God, do this right now. Do this right now for your glory. Amen.